Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from the book of Jeremiah. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Jeremiah, so if you're there, chapter 4 tonight, so turn your Bibles. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll get you a Bible. They'll, uh, somebody will airmail one to you. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Everybody's looking around. Not here. I don't need one. <laughs> Over here is a couple. And Jeremiah chapter 4, and we're going to look at one chapter again tonight. Uh, again, we're, um, chapter 3, we saw that last week as the Lord is using Jeremiah to speak to the children of Judah, the two tribes of the south, and he's warning them of being backslidden. You're, you guys are backslidden. What's going on with you? And, and there are some issues that he has to address with them. So at the end, uh, you know, he focused on repentance. This is a model for repentance, and this is what God desires that our every heart that is backslidden, every heart would do. You know, you find your at odds with God that you would come to him, you'd see his grace and mercy in time of need, and that you would, you know, you, I, we, we would just repent, and that's his heart. So that's where he, we left off last week in chapter 3. Chapter 4, he's going to continue with that same theme. He'll begin in there. It should really, a lot of commentators say, and I probably agree with them, that the first four verses of chapter 4 belong up in chapter 3, but we'll get a uh, another taste of that repentance, a desire of repentance, a the focus on repentance, uh, and then this, before we move on to judgment, and, and I th- when I think about this, God's desire, you got to see the heart of God through this. His heart is that the people would come back to him, his, his people that are meandering away, that they would come back to him. That's his desire. He has a desire that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Everyone in this world, doesn't matter Black, yellow, red, or green. He, he died for sin and not for skin. He died that each one of us might be saved in the, for the entire world, that we would just look up to one God and say, you made it easy for us on our behalf because there's only one way to heaven. And so he, he comes in this way and he says, you know what, for uh, the children of Judah, he says, you know, Judah, he says that, uh, you know, this repent because he's all about wanting them to restore their relationship back to, back to God. And when I think of that, I think of uh, the very song that we sing often is, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? It's the avenue. And so the same thing for you and I, the same thing for the world today. We're, uh, the church does not replace Israel at all, but we're looking at um, the two tribes again. And keep in mind that um, here Judah and Benjamin, they make up the southern tribe. They have yet to go into captivity, but he's warning of that. This is what he's using Jeremiah to warn them. Because of your rebellion, there's this uh, coming judgment, impending judgment that's going to come upon you because they're not listening. I mean, God. All, I mean, I love the way he he comes about his judgment. Is he he's judging them to warn them? He's saying, "Look at, be careful." And if you don't turn, then you get this. If you don't repent, then you get this. So I'm here. I'm going to send my servant, and his desire through me, is going to be, through the Lord, is going to be that that they would come back to him. And they hadn't heard, or excuse me, I should say, 
They haven't learned from what the northern tribes have done, the ten northern tribes. They, they haven't learned their lesson from what they've done. They know what they've gone through. They, they've seen the things. But God said, you guys haven't heard, or you didn't learn from that. And so he sends his prophet to them, still trying to get their attention, in order to keep them from facing the same things that, that their brothers are doing up to the north. And, and the same things that it's going to cost them, it's going to loom in their presence. And I think you and I, we should learn from history, right? We learn from the mistakes that we made. We look at history and we see, wow, this is incredible. It, it doesn't matter what. I think of all the great nations that have stood over the course of, since the very beginning, and then none of them really stand for long. But isn't it so that the Lord Almighty still reigns, <laughs> right? He's still there. It doesn't matter. We think, all right, this is great and it might be good for a season, but in, in the, just in a moment, things can change. It's interesting. We see that. And so this is the Lord. He's given this um, warning them before he takes action. It's just the way he is. Israel kind of took that on behalf of the way they run their operation as well. He warns them before he's going to take action. He's like, hey, if you do this, you know, like we maybe told our children, if you do this, then you're not going to have ice cream tonight. If you do this, no ice cream. But in this case, he's warning them and he wants them to, you know, keep them from facing that judgment that looms in their presence. And he warns them, and he gives them the opportunity to get things right. And so we've seen that and we'll see that time and time again, even in chapter four, where there's a lot of judgment, a lot of, whoa, man, look at this stuff that's coming upon you. But it's tough for us to learn. I think the same thing that God does, you think about in the letters in the book of Revelation, chapters two and three, that it was always this thing that God knew what was going on, but he always said, you know, but this I have against you, most of the churches, but this I have against you. And, and he says, you know, what you need to do, the remedy for what you're doing wrong and what you have done wrong is repent. So there's nothing wrong with repenting. It actually is a good thing. It's like gets us clean. And so even the churches, like I said, in Revelation, they come to this place and the remedy, God says, you know, you've done all these things, some good, some bad, but here, this I have against you. And the remedy is, I'm not just going to, you know, put the flusher down. I'm going to tell you that there's a remedy out there and it's repent. And so it's not works. It's not by hustle. It's not by any of this stuff or anything else. The only thing that can right the wrong direction of any wayward nation or any wayward person, individual, is repentance. That's what we need. We need to be people of repentance. Even today, even though I pray everybody in here is saved, that we're still people that are, have common uh, working with repentance. You know, it's just common with us. We blow it every day. Anybody not blow it today? <laughs> it's kind of easy. I take candy from a baby sometimes. I know for myself. I can speak to myself. You blow it today. Oh, man, yeah, I did. But I'm so glad that this repentance is there. Well, the Lord is reminding them his desires that they, Judah, would repent so that they wouldn't have to face the consequences. So we're going to look at this. Jump into it. Verse 1. Look at If you return, he says, If you return, O Israel, says the Lord. Now, this is the big two-letter word. If, right? And the choice is there. Is theirs to make. And when God says something, He means it. It's not like, you know, sometimes you, have, you, you say something. I don't know if you've ever done this to your children. You're going to get it when you get home. And then you just, things have changed. You're tired. You're out. And you go, just go to bed, would you? That's not like that. As a matter of fact, when my kids were young, if I ever sent them to bed, like when they had punishment coming, they were afraid to wake up in the morning. 
Because they knew they had it coming. And I never, I never punished them out of anger. It was just that, look, I've got to do this to you. You know that old saying, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. But God says, listen, if you return to me, so he's giving them that option. He's throwing his net out there. Again, carrying over from chapter 3. If you'll return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you put, you will put away your abominations out of my sight. So he's telling them, put away those things that so easily ensnare you. You want to be, you want to walk with God. You want to walk with me, but you can't bring these things. You got to get rid of the idols. You got to get rid of the stuff. Clean the closets out, you know. Come, then you shall not be moved. And here's the promise, you shall not be moved and you shall swear the Lord lives. So the two promises there, number one is, that they shall not be moved. Look, if they're going to get ready to go into captivity, he's telling you, if you return to me, you won't be moved. But, but because you, if you don't, watch out, because you will be moved, and they will come. The Babylonians are going to come. God is going to send them, and I'll maybe be repetitive in this, but some 25 years after this um, prophecy is given, and the warning is given, that he's saying, you know what, if you come back to me, then you won't be moved. I think about that. I think about being in the presence of God for us today, and we are in this place, just in our lives, just having the presence of the Lord, just, you know, the fullness of God. And when we come to that place and we put away these things of the world, put away, I don't want any, they don't measure up, I just don't want them. I just want you, Lord. I love that song, Crystal Lewis. I don't know if she, did she write that song? Is she the original? Her husband did? Yeah, you know, get ready because Jesus is coming. I'm thinking, what are we going to have our hands mixed up on, you know, glued to. And and I just think that, you know, here he says, like, if you turn to me, you shall not be moved. Guys, you're, there's trouble and there's consequences when we won't repent of our sin. That's what he's telling Judah. And he says, look, if you return to me, then the consequences of you, especially being in captive, they're not going to happen. And I love it because so many even today, when we talk about, you know, hey, watch out, don't do that. There's consequences. And yet they don't listen, and then they find themselves in a captivity of some sort, back in the vomit that they once left. And then the Lord says this, He says, and you shall swear the Lord lives, and, and they shall again once proclaim the, the Lord lives. It's the Lord. It would testify as they're coming back to the Lord. So it's this proclamation that, oh, they're restored, our relationship is restored. The Lord lives. Hallelujah. That's what, what it's referring to. And he says, in this manner shall they be restored in truth and in judgment and in righteousness. That's what we need a little bit more of today. The nations shall bless them in him, bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. And so when Judah would get things right with the Lord, it was really cool. They were going to come back to walking in his ways. And it seemed to be a testimony to everybody around them. They had lost their way. But with the word that Jeremiah gives to Judah, as he says to them, you know, there's a way back. You may have been lost. You may have gotten sidetracked. You may have gotten, you know, come to this place of backsliding. But there's a way back. And he tells the prophet that here's the way back is through repentance. It's that if you would come back, then there's going to be a lot of things that you won't have to face. There's a lot of consequences you won't have, have to face. And, and we, just like Judah, I think, we should never be too prideful in the way to where we don't want to listen to God. I don't want to listen to that avenue. I don't want to listen. You know, it doesn't matter how far we've traveled from Him, that He's still there. And He's still there with open arms. It doesn't matter. You can maybe popping into your mind, somebody that once walked with God, that once were on fire with the Lord, is now not even an ember. They're just so drenched, 
so put out, the fire is not stoked anymore, it's just flat out. But God desires to, remember just as in Mount Carmel where Elijah put out the water on the sacrifice and he called down from heaven and lit it back up again. Well, I think about that in our lives, how God just wants to fire us back up. He wants it. But it comes that that first step is like, remember we saw last week, acknowledging our sin and then repenting of it. That's what the Lord says here. He's just what he wants them to do. And you will return. It's so cool. You put away the abominations out of my sight. And then if we return, we're not going to be moved. We're not going to be moved. We're not going to be put in captivity. We're not going to, we'll begin to proclaim the name of the Lord, swear that he is God. And then in verse 3 it says, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah in Jerusalem, he says, Break up your fallow ground. This is your untilled hearts, like the garden. It's like the stony hearts. He says, Break up your fallow ground and do not sow, sow among thorns. You know, you think about this. You ever lost a ball in a uh, blackberry bush? Well, yeah, you know how you get it out? You send a kid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how do you get it out of there, right? I mean, seriously, it's like you got to get a stick. You got to. I was golfing one time and at the and I went to swing my club and it came flying out of my hand and it landed down in some blackberry bushes down on a little cliff. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me! Right? How do you get it out? Well, that's what he's saying. You don't want to plant amongst thorns. When you mention, hey, honey, let's just not even till the ground. Let's just leave the blackberries here. We'll just put the corn, throw the seeds in it. It'll come up through there. It just doesn't make sense. And that's what he's telling them, you know. He said, hey, let's not do this. So he says, you know, um, break up the fallow ground and do not sow among the thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart. And he's talking Again, not externally circumcision, because if everyone would have said, they would ask every Jew, they say, hey, we are circumcised. And just like Jesus in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, he would tell them that he's not really talking about anything on the external, but everything on the inside. The standard that we are to live as Christians is not an external thing, like with a bumper sticker, or hey, I got my bumper sticker on the back of my car with my fish on it, or I got my living epistle t-shirt, or whatever the cause may be. But, you know, it's, it's on the inside of our hearts. It's that our hearts are circumcised. And I'm not longing for the things of the world. And this is what, uh, what he's telling. Circumcise your hearts to Judah. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your hearts. You men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come, uh, come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil you're, of your doings. And so, again, God's desire is, his desire is that they're not going to perish but he would rather see that they come to him through repentance. How do you get things right? How do you get things right? I mean, in marriages and in our own family, when our kids were young, we kind of really set this mode. It wasn't, you know, how the kids go, uh, hey, would you go make it right with your sister? I'm sorry. Right? And so we had to cut that out of the vocabulary real quick. And so we're not doing this I'm sorry stuff. It's a repentance. Say, forgive me. Right? We got to mean some more. It's from the heart. And so the, as they were young, they would have to go to each other and say, forgive me for this. You know, would you forgive me for that? And that's God's desire. But the people need to let go of something. They need to let go of the, the life they live. They need to let go of what the, the life that they had incorporated into them, with, in, which included a lot of idolatry. And Jeremiah has the tough task of preaching this message to them. Listen. People, when they go back into the world, from once they've tasted of the Lord especially, it's hard. Their hearts are hard, but the message that you have to tell them, and Jeremiah is so faithful here, that, listen, you better turn or you're going to pay the price. Nobody wants to hear that. 
I mean, I don't want to hear that. But, but it's, it's something that has to be told. It has to be given out there. The only answer to this world is through Jesus Christ. That's the same message. Listen, God, God sends His truth out there into the world today to say Jesus Christ is the only answer. And people will say, well, that's because you're judging. No, we're not judging. Well, you say the only way to heaven is through Jesus. Yeah, well, you're judging me. I can't get there any other way. No, I'm not judging you, but I'm telling you if you want to get to heaven, if you want to go to heaven, Jesus, God says, I sent my only son. He's the only life preserver. And again, I use this analogy. If they were out in the Columbia River and we were on a ship and they said, hey, I'm drowning. Help me. And you threw him a, a blue life preserver. It has a Christian symbol on it. say, I don't want that one. Send me another one. A coexist one. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. That's the way people are, though. They don't want to hear about that. Nobody likes talking judgment. We can't deny that judgment is around the corner. It's very true to this world. The very true to the, the, the you know, society in which we live in. And I don't like talking about judgment. It's a, lot, it's a lot easier taking some sugary things, some easier things out of the Bible. But judgment is coming. There's no doubt about it. Judgment is coming. But listen, there's grace in the message of judgment. You know why? Because we're still here. We're still here. And what are we here? Judgment is coming, no doubt about it. But grace is here. So it's like going into the closet. You're, you know, my dad was a pretty big guy. He was, oh, you're going to get it now. Get that belt off. And he would snap that thing. And you think, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go in my closet and put pillows and anything else I can pat up my bottom end for, right? God says, repent. That's all. Much more and much different than an earthly father. He's like, just repent. You ever try that with your children, do something wrong? Just repent. That's all. You mean you're not going to whoop me? I just want you to see that you've done something wrong. If you can learn the lesson, I'm down with that. Repent. You see, that's what the world needs today. They need to understand this, that repentance brings forgiveness, but there is no forgiveness in the world. There's nothing and there's nothing in the world that's forgiving. I mean, what do you do? People just hate one another. And people don't even want to admit they're wrong. They just keep burying themselves in a hole, digging the hole deeper and deeper, just trying to escape reality. And the entire time as God is saying, look, it ain't going to help you, but I'm here. It's not going to help you, but I'm here, and it's by my grace, and I will forgive you. Get out of that hole. Come show your face to me. That's what he wants to do. Instead of people burying themselves deeper and deeper into the muck of this world. And so the first is the first four verses kind of allude to chapter 3. And they talk about repentance. Now you come into this place to where uh, danger looms if they refuse to repent. So he's going to warn them. And, and it's not that God hates them again. It's not that he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't hate them at all. He actually loves them. And this is why he warns them. Because he tells them ahead of time, look, you can live your life any way you want, but I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. If you walk 30 feet off of the 20-foot pier, you're going to fall off of it. Right? You're, it's going to be a long walk on a short pier and you're going to be in trouble. And so he's warning them of that, just like he warns us of the imminent dangers if we continue to go about our way. So look in verse 5 because he's going to describe these things. The warning is clear if Judah would refuse to repent. He says, declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, blow the trumpet or the shofar in the land. Cry, gather together, and say, assemble yourselves, and let us go into the fortified city. See, when there was a sound of, of shofar, a certain sound that it would make, it would make this warning that, oh, that's war. That's not the dinner bell. <laughs> that's war, and we need to run for safety. We need to, you know, make sure that we're going to be safe in, in what we're doing. And so 
the, the show, this shofar, the sound that it would make would be for a warning. And then in verse 6, he says, set up the standard toward Zion, take refuge, do not delay, and I, for I will bring disaster from the north. So he's telling them where it's going to be. And great destruction. See, he says, I will bring. There's no doubt that when the Lord says something, it's going to happen. The way it is. He says it. But he's not like you and I, and we go, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> not like that. Not like, you know, he's not, he's not like that. Well, we're playing the Dolphins this weekend. We're really going to beat them up. Well, Dolphins couldn't beat themselves out of wet paper bag. But I don't see if there's any Dolphin fans here. <laughs> he says, I will bring disaster, the Lord says, doesn't he? You see, whatever you do, don't ever think that you're going to get away with something. He says, you know what? He loves us too much to let us get away with it. And quite frankly, the Lord is very clear. We just have to have ears to hear. He says, I'll bring disaster. And he, and he talks about taking refuge again. He's taking that refuge. And this is probably the place to where he's saying, you know, you're going to run for safety. You're going to try and find any other avenue you can to be safe from the impending judgment. Like I said, you go into the room, you try and pad your bottom with pillows and everything, it's only obvious what you're trying to do. But, uh, you know, what he's saying, you're going to try all that stuff. And the interesting thing about Jeremiah is preaching this message like it's going to happen at any time. He says, the way he's preaching is like, get ready right now. People get ready, Jesus is coming to take from the world's own. He's saying, like, right now it's going to happen. He doesn't know how long it's going to be. And as I mentioned, 25 years later, it'll come to fruition when the Babylonians come down out of the uh, out of the north, King Nebuchadnezzar comes down. But he's preaching it like it's today so that we will hear. And we're going to take, we're going to take understanding to it like now. You know, we were going through First Thessalonians and we're coming to the place to where he's talking about the rapture of the church. It's like people get ready. Are, are we listening? Are we hearing? You know, are we responding with our hearts and saying, you know, man, Jesus is coming back. I'm excited for this. Let's do this. Let's, get, let's, let's do this. And that's what he that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? Uh, the soon return of Jesus. It may be 25 years that Jesus returns. I don't know. But I want to live like today is the day. I want to live like before I get home and have a bowl of ice cream that he takes us home to be out of here. I want to live like he's coming home at any moment. Why? Because it's the urgency that we live with. It's the urgency of that holy living. It, it, it gives us that desire to live for him every moment of every day. Lord, I just want you. You're coming back at any time. And then in verse 7 he says, The lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of nations is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitants. For this, clothe yourselves with sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. So in a very similar way, this is what the uh, Lord told the prophet Habakkuk. He said, you know what? I'm going to use the Chaldeans. They're going to come down. They're going to come and take you guys captive. The same thing he's telling the children of Judah. He's saying, listen, I'm going to use the guys from the north. The Babylonians are going to come down. And, and Habakkuk tried to reason with the Lord. Well, there's no sense of reasoning with the Lord. You know, like I'm going to change the Lord's mind in this aspect. See, God tells them that, hey, I'm using the Babylonians. He says, as you're chastening rod, so get ready, clothe yourselves. Your cities are going to be laid waste. He means, look, this is the consequence of it. This is the consequence of what's going on. The people that will reject God, that don't want to walk with God. And well, you know, there, 
There's a caption of this little kid. I don't know if you saw it. A caption of this little kid on Facebook. He looks at this girl. He's looking at her like, you mean you say you can, you're going to heaven when you die, but you can't go to church while you're alive? I was like, dude, I love that little kid, man. Out of the mouth of babes. I know it's only a caption, but I just thought, man, is that so true? But here, listen, God is going to come back and there's people got to be ready and we should be getting ready. But he's warning these people, you're not ready. I mean, think about this. He says, you know what? The destroyer of the nation is on his way. They're going to come down. I'm telling you who it is and you're still not going to be able to stop them. You can't change what God has said. You can't change his word and prophecy. You can't change that thing. It's going to come to happen. It's interesting that we don't know how these things will come to pass, but we do know that they will come to pass. Looking at things in the Middle East, we're looking like once um, the U.S. pulled out of the Middle East and Turkey and, all, and, and, uh, and uh, Syria and all those places, it was interesting how Israel, kind of blew my mind, started really making uh, tracks with Russia. You read the papers and read some of the newest things, it's like, wow, where's this coming from? You don't know what God's got planned, but he knows. However it comes to pass, it's going to come to pass. And he just desires people. Look at what I say will come to pass. You could try all your life trying to figure it out. But understand this. Make sure your heart is right before me. Make sure it's just right before me. So he tells them, I'm going to use the Babylonians. You better get ready. Better get your get out the shofar. Blow the shofar. Dress yourself. And, and we see again that God's warning, but he gives them the, pure, the cure. It's repentance. So look at verse 9. Because the effects, here's the effects on this uh, uh, coming judgment. The effects are, nobody's going to be able to help you. Look at verse 9, he says, And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that the hearts of the king shall perish, and the hearts of the princes, uh, and the hearts of the princes, the priests shall be astonished, and the prophets shall wonder. These are the guys who are in charge. These are the guys who are giving them lip service, they were telling them, well, you know, yeah, this is, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Well, you heard the, head, the CNN headline news of this is what's going on or Fox, MSN, NBC or whatever. You're hearing these things. He goes, don't worry about it. He goes, there's nothing you're going to do about it. Right here, even the, the people, the kings of the hearts, they're going to perish. And uh, the hearts of the princes, the priests shall be astonished, the prophets shall wonder. And that day when Judah is taken captive, just like the Lord is telling them from the Babylonians up north, nobody's going to be able to have an answer for the people. Huh. Nobody's going to have an answer. See, the hearts again, the kings shall perish, the princes shall follow suit, the priests will be astonished, and the prophets will sit around wondering what happened. And the people are going to want answers. What's going on here? Well, I don't know. I thought everything was going to be hunky-dory. Because this is why the people, this is why you and I and the people of this day, they need to have a hunger for the Word of God. They need to know what God's Word says so we're not bleeding and being tossed to and from every wind of doctrine you know, it comes in. It's amazing how things go through. And they, they're like tidal waves, aren't they? I mean, since I've been a Christian in 1989, since 1990, I've been watching these things come through, different things come through the church, and we're just being tossed around. There's no hope in them. They leave every 10 years. And it leaves people wondering like this, what's going on? What just happened? How was that? A bunch of laughing and barking. Anybody get saved out of that? You know, or the prosperity movement, or whatever it might be. And it's like, are people getting saved in this? Somebody's getting rich, but is anybody getting saved in this? I mean, this is the heart. Look at, people are wondering, they're scratching their heads, they're going, what's going on in the church today? What's happening? You see, we should have an answer because we're men and women of the Word. We're Bereans of the Word. We need to know what's going on. We look at the Word. I don't look at any of the news channels to find out. I look at the Bible. Bible's pretty clear about stuff. 
You see, when judgment was coming, what happened is the false prophets were saying that everything was okay. So when judgment comes, the people are going, oh, what just happened? What just happened, you know? And people are into this, you know, into so many different things out there that it's like when I think with Jesus is coming, what happens? Do people really know Jesus when we're teaching them from the pulpits? Are we teaching them that Jesus is coming? You need to have a relationship with him. Because when the rapture of the church comes, you might be singing that song not knowing him. And so the important thing is the gospel that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, paid the penalty for the loss. He came to, to save sinners. Needs to be presented. And not to be ashamed of the gospel, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 1. You see, when, again, judgment was coming and the prophets were going, everything's going to be okay. Matter of fact, these false prophets of old were the, like the modern day preachers, as some we have around. Prosperity preachers are believing that the Lord is coming back is not really going to happen or any of this stuff. You know, they're selling them a bag of tricks is what's happening. And then look at verse 10, because as, as Jeremiah is bringing this message to them, verse 10, it's almost in the middle of this message. He takes a moment, he kind of looks up to God. Look what he says. He says then I said, Ah, huh, oh Lord God, uh, surely you have greatly deceived this people in uh, Jerusalem, saying, you shall have peace, whereas the sword reaches to the heart. So it seems that for a moment when Jeremiah is giving this word out, that all of a sudden he takes his deep breath and says, are you sure? <laughs> You ever see a quarterback on the, on the, the field and he gets his call in from the head coach and he's going, I don't know. Are you sure about this? I think he kind of turns to God and he looks a little puzzled at this, what the Lord would say. And it says, as if the Lord was saying that there would be peace, what's the deal? Well, see, the people of God were hearing that message. They were hearing this message if they returned to him. That's the message God was sharing with them. And so many wanted peace in their lives, but they didn't want to return to the Lord. Yeah, a lot, of a lot of times we want things from the Lord, but we want, to, we want to come to the Lord. You see, God's desire for them was peace and prosperity as well as security, all these things. But the problem was in the lifestyle that they had chosen to live. So there, what's the problem? You can't live for this world and for the Lord at the same time. You can't be equally loyal to both. Jeremiah later tells us of these prophets, they were actually false prophets, and he said they were pre preaching this message of false hope. Because they had never warned the people of their wicked ways. They had never told them the truth about God. Never told them about the impending danger. As a matter of fact, in the 23rd chapter, verse 16, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the word of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision in their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to, you, to um, those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the di dictates of his own heart, they shall say, no evil shall come upon you. That's what they're preaching. The Lord is saying, no, no, no. If you return to me, you'll, you'll be at peace. You'll have security. You'll have these things. And the, the false prophets, they don't want the people to hear that. They'd rather water down the message. And if I tell them that, they'll leave. They'll go out the door. Though if I start preaching judgment or teaching Jeremiah chapter 4, people are going to leave. If I start teaching Romans chapter 1, people are going to fly, man. Well, who would you rather be loyal to? The Lord or to man? You have to be loyal to the Lord. You've got to be loyal. It's just, again, this is nothing damning to them. It's a, it's a, a, a warning to them saying, hey, you're going to sink. Here's the remedy. 
And today we hear many voices. I think, you know, even in the church there's many voices, many speaking Christian vocabulary, but they're using a whole different vocabulary, different, different dictionary, different vocabulary, different dictionary. As you just you hear, you hear these things and your ears perk up. And you, oh, what's that? You got to, oh man, what did they say? But it seems that as Jeremiah inquires of the Lord, they, they didn't bother to respond, or the Lord didn't bother to respond as he looks up to him. So the, the Lord continues in verse 11. The message continues from the Lord. And he says, at that time, when the judgment takes place, what he's talking about, it will be said to the people and to Jerusalem, a dry wind of the desolate heights blows in the wilderness towards the daughters of my people, not to fan or to cleanse. This is, the wind's not there for that. Uh, a wind too strong for these will come from me. Now I will also speak judgment against them. And so this wind that the Lord is prophesying through Jeremiah of, he's saying, look, it's not going to be a wind that's a refreshing wind. You ever been in a desert and you get this hot wind and it kind of chaps your lips even more? Well, this wind is going to be like that, but it's even going to be stronger. And it's not going to be kind of this wind that would be used for useful for things like, remember when they would sit there and they would throw up the wheat in the shaft would come down, the wind would blow away the shaft. He says, it's going to blow away everything. This wind is going to be so strong that it'll blow away everything. A wind too strong for these will come from me, says the Lord. Now I will speak, also speak judgment against these. And so he's telling them, you know what? It's not going to separate the good grain from the bad. It's just going to blow it all away. Verse 13, he says, Behold, he shall come up like clouds, and his chariots like a whirlwind, swift and powerful. And uh, his horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are plundered. I got this little video I want to show you. What it says, it's only about 13 seconds long. See if we can uh, fit it on there real quick. Ah! 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 Oh, crap! Crap! Ah! Ah! Guy got his fish took. <laughs> it was that quick. He spooled him. <laughs> that eagle came down and took it. That's kind of like what the Lord is saying here. He's saying, the chariot's like a whirlwind. The horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are plundered. <laughs> They're coming down. Snatch you away. You think you got it made. <laughs> you got dinner on the table. See, the enemy would come down like a whirlwind and a swift eagle and plunder uh, Judah. That's what the Lord is saying. You know, you're going to understand it. And, and it would proceed a cry from the people. And the enemy puts it this way. Woe to us, we are ruined. You ever think of that? All of a sudden, the light comes on. I'm thinking, maybe I should have listened. Maybe I should have turned. Maybe I should have opened my ears. Maybe I should have trusted the Lord. And then in verse 14, is a plea to those in danger. So here's that plea again. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. Isn't this the heart of God? You see, you see all the wickedness in the world today. Same heart of God. Wash your heart, O Jerusalem. The center where God wants His people to be. Uh, the heart that He wants. He wants to set His people free. And His plea is for them to be washed. So again, O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts Lodge within you. For a voice declares from Dan, that's the north, and proclaims affliction from Mount Ephraim. Make men mention to the nations, yes, proclaim against Jerusalem. The watchers come from a far country and raise their voice against the cities, uh, the cities of Judah. Like keepers of the field, they are against her all around. Because, the Lord is always just in what he does, 
Because she has been rebellious against me, says the Lord, stop uh, your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. Their evil thoughts have come into their minds. Remember when the Lord had told them, he says, hey, you, the land you're coming into, you need to move these people out. Don't be taken captive in a sense in your mind. Don't be looking at their idols and so you, lest you start worshiping them. That's what happened. They started looking at things. They started looking at things and they started saying, well, it's not so bad. Why not? And then they started intermarrying, marrying in equally yoked marriage. Started dropping the standards. Their children started learning the language of foreigners. And it was all because their minds, and this is usually where it starts, it comes in the mind gate and they didn't take them thoughts captive. They didn't, they didn't secure their minds at all. And their wickedness eventually made its way into the heart and the heart was taken captive. It was occupied by these evilness and bitterness and hardness started setting in. A heart started pumping desires and it wasn't the desires of the Lord much longer. It was for the flesh. And the flesh began to take over. And the next thing you know, it's like, listen, I told you, now would you wash yourself? He says, the Lord says, wash yourself. And you know what he tells us is, is even as believers, we have to be careful because the Bible says that we're to take every thought captive. Every thought captive under the authority of Jesus Christ. So when we take a thought, you think of the evil thought, and I shared this with you before, but you take a thought captive, and you, what does that mean? It's like, when you're in captive, some of you guys know this, you're incarcerated. Can't do that anymore. But and you're going before the judge, you say guilty or innocent, and they're saying, well, I don't let me think about that. I'm guilty, I guess. And you take, think about the thought that we have in our mind, and if it's evil, thought of evil, we're taking it so it doesn't roam around. We're incarcerating that thought, taking it through the judge, use that as Jesus. And I don't want that thought to drip down into my heart, make take up residency in my heart. So Lord, Lord, I take that thought captive under your authority. Would you judge that thought? Should it, if it's not to be judged, get rid of it. I need to repent of it and get rid of it. But then once we do that, it's like, I always think of this because it's like, where has that thought been? I need to ask the Lord to wash my emotions from that thought too, or it seems like that thought kind of creeps back. It's like a snail. You know, a snail leaves that slime. You know, he didn't move slow, but you know where he started. There he was, and there he is now. I need to, Lord, wash that evil thought from me. Take it, because I don't want it embedding in my heart. I don't want my heart pumping that stuff. The flesh is attracted to that, to that stuff. And we need to be careful. Take every thought captive. And God here gives a plea as he sends his message of judgment. And I think it's much grace because he's saying, you know, the judgment is coming, but wash yourselves, O Jerusalem, that you might be saved. I don't want to see you go into captivity. God doesn't want to see any of his children backslidden. He doesn't want to see them with a needle in their arms. He doesn't want to see them homeless. And he doesn't want to see them with a bottle. He doesn't want to see them with prostitutes or selling themselves to the prostitute. He doesn't want to see any of that. But it happens. Why does it happen? Because I think people need to realize, and Christians, people that call upon him, need to keep calling upon him. Lord, I need you today like I did yesterday. Lord, I need to fall in love with you more today than I did yesterday. Lord, I need you day and day. I need you. Even myself, I need I need the Lord. I mean, it's so much that I need Him. But I know this. I know He's not going to leave me there forsake me. If I walk this, whoa, He's right there. I'm not tripping out over it. But I just know the propensity of my flesh. And I know that I want Jesus more today. 
I want him more. We all should want him more. So he, he gives us this plea, you know, this plea to the children. He says, you know what? Hey, it's much grace. It's a message about judgment. But wash yourselves. And we know we can't wash ourselves, but we come to him and we're washed by him. Wash our hearts. How do we do that? With repentance. Look at this. Oh, I love, you know, I, I just, I think, I, I just love that God would allow us to come to him. Not just once, not twice, not three times, but every breath we take, we can come to him. It's incredible. And so there's judgment when we think about not only for Judah, and uh, there's judgment for them, but even today you think about it. We see evil ramping, uh, ramping up all over, and we see that the Lord's message is still one that is grace, a message that'll save, right? It's the same message. Sadly today, many aren't listening, but it's that same message. He wants to save in the midst of all the evil. I mean, you think about all the things that are going on, all the wickedness that's taken place, and God has not yet come back. And people want to say, why don't you come back? Because he loves them enough for you and I to get a message to him. And then they might have a message of repentance, that they might be saved. See, if they refuse to repent, the vision of the voices from the north, and that's what he's talking about here, and going back to this Judah, he's talking about the visions of the voices. They're going to come. They're going to come against you. And sadly... It was their own doing that got them into that. But the Lord didn't lead them there. He didn't lead them into temptation. He didn't lead them in that stuff. They walked that way. And then look at because the sorrow, look at, look at what he says in verse 19. Oh, my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. This is, look at, so heartfelt. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold, hold my peace because you have heard, oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war, destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. Suddenly my tents are plundered, my, and my curtains in a, mo- in a moment. How long will I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? So here Jeremiah prophesies that how they're going to react when they see that this plunder come upon them, when they see that they're overtaken. He knows that. Is it? I mean, just think about that. He's saying, you know, when you guys, when they come down to get you because you're not going to turn, you're going to have to pay a penalty. You're going to have to pay a penalty. He knows that. And it testifies that Jeremiah is sick to his stomach about the things that he's got to testify of this because he knows, wow, they're not going to turn. I just know they're not going to turn. And he listens to this, and they're not. And he's sick to his stomach because he knows the penalty that they're going to have to pay. I tell you something? That's the very thing a pastor, a true shepherd goes through. Because of the warnings that we give. Warnings. Married couple coming along, get on your knees. You guys need to seek Jesus. I love what he has to say. I just don't agree with everything. Or, you know, you need to repent. You need to humble yourself. What about the other person? You know, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. There's so many things. And people don't get it. They don't want to repent. They just want to, you know, if I put in two Alka-Seltzer, take it in the morning, everything will be okay. It's not happening that way. It comes through repentance that we got to just come to the Lord. But I see it in my, in my heart. When I see men and women, I see married couples, I see young people going back to the way they used to be. I can, I can almost take the part of their life out and insert it before they knew the Lord or before they started in their situation that they're in. It's the same. It's like, you know what? Watching anybody reject God and the council and then they suffer, it brings heartache to the messenger. And that's what Jeremiah is going through. 
especially on a messenger that's going to be faithful to the Word, it, it hurts. It hurts. And this message hits Jeremiah hard. People, listen, you've heard this said, and I can't stand it. Don't let me hear you say it. When somebody that doesn't know Jesus, they suffer from cancer or something, you know, they're going through a hard, and I, I'll go in there and I'll go into the hospital room and they'll say, hey, uh, don't preach to them, whatever you do. I've been told that. I say, well, why don't you just leave? I just want a moment with them. And I'll get next to them and I'll tell them about Jesus. Because they'll say, you know, people, then say people, they'll say, well, at least that person isn't suffering no more. Are you kidding me? The suffering has just begun when they die without Christ. What they went through on earth with all the pain and the cancer and whatever was going through their body, that didn't matter anything compared to what they're suffering now. I mean, here, listen, we got to hear the voice. We got to respond to that. And then we, the church, ought to know better and understand this, that the Bible really tells us very clearly that judgment begins in the house of God. We ought to know better. We ought to know how we're to live our lives. We ought to know that when God says something, we're going to respond in a proper way. At least they're in a better place. Don't Please don't let me ever hear you say that, how wrong they are. Look at verse 22. For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children. They have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. So in the midst of all that they were doing, they were rebellious. They were, you know, we pointed out previously, and he still refers to them. Listen, did you notice that in verse 22? For my people. That's God's grace, isn't it? I mean, these guys have hit bottom. A lot of the uh, tribes have integrated with the offerings of Molech, sacrificing of children. But he still calls them my people. And I see that as the grace of God, never letting his hand off. As bad as they've gone, he's still there. I'm still here. And it just testifies even today of people that have walked away from him. I'm still here. Come to me. Come to me. And they're so foolish, even though they walked away from him, they've acted silly as children. And by doing all this evil, he still refers to them as his people. Do you know that if you don't feel close to God tonight, that he hasn't moved. He hasn't moved. We may have moved. He hasn't moved, and his desire is just that we come back. Oh, my people. I think of the prodigal. The prodigal, he rejoices when men and women who have been so distant from him will come to him. They'll repent of their sins. They'll repent and just say, Lord, forgive me. What does he do? I knew you were going to. No, he doesn't do that, does he? Let's party. Let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. And that's what he is. People, you know, even today, Christians do some pretty stupid stuff. But even then, it's God who has his arms open wide and he's just waiting for him. Come home. I'm here. I love it. Again, the story of the prodigal. And then in verse 23, he says this, looking back at creation, he says, I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form and void, and the heavens, and had no, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and they indeed they trembled. On all the hills moved back and forth. I beheld, and indeed there was no man. And all the birds of the heavens had fled. I beheld, and, and uh, indeed the uh, fruitful land was a wilderness, and all its cities were broken down as the presence uh, at the presence of the Lord by His fierce anger. So it kind of looks back, and He says, you know, rolling back to all the, all the way back at creation when there was nothing. Bara, 
You know, he created everything out of nothing. He goes, you know what? This statement refers to this is what it could look like when the Lord goes back in his judgment. If it were to come, you'd have nothing around you. I remember when there was nothing. You know what? It could be that way. It could be that way. When men and women don't repent, I think of the same thing. I mean, seriously, I, just to apply it, I think of the same way because when we don't repent, when we don't come back to that thing, when we can roll back. Remember when he had no family? Remember when he had no children? They weren't, remember that? Remember when he, he had no job? Remember that? And I think of this, I think of rolling back. This might take place at Walmart. You know, we're almost says, we're going to roll back prices. <laughs> we can't imagine this taking place because we live in such a world that is always progressing. I mean, the minute you drive off the car, off the lot, it's an old car. They got a new one coming right behind you. You take your iPhone home, your iPad, you get it home. <laughs> it needs to be updated. It's old. Uh, so, we live in this world that's constantly progressing. It's constantly growing. The knowledge of man is doubling. It, it seems like every nanosecond. But it's not so. When, you know, it, it, we're living in this the world doesn't understand. It couldn't regress. It couldn't, it couldn't go back in this way. It couldn't, no, no. These things can't happen. Not in a world that is so powerful. It's so, oh yeah, watch. Remember this, for the things of Judah, things are going to change rapidly. But today when you think about judgment, what happen, happening, when you think about you warning but there's going to be a judgment out there. And you've got to say it with grace because there's grace. We're still alive today. And you know what you're considered though? You're a hater. I'm a hater. Because you're, you're, you're not judging. You're just telling them. See, people want to live in their sin. Look at verse 27. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate, for I will not make a full land. Again, His grace and a reminder of His promises to the nation of Israel. For this land, uh, for this shall uh, the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken, I have purpose, and I will not relent, nor will I turn back from it. God isn't a coward. He's going to do what he says he does. The whole city shall flee from the noise of the horsemen and the bowmen, and they shall go into the thickets and climb into the rocks. Every city shall be forsaken, uh, every city shall be forsaken, and not a man shall dwell in it. So in this message of judgment, here the Lord is that uh, reminds him that through the judgment, he promises that. I, I, I well, you know, I'm not gonna. I will not m make a full end of them. And we see that coming to fruition in the reinstatement of Israel as a nation, uh, 1948. But God is faithful to be working still today through Israel. So, but but here's the thing. I don't know the lineage of my family. I don't at all. I mean, I know my dad. That's it. I don't know my grandfathers. I don't know what how they were. I don't know if they were walking with the Lord or what happened. But I know from just my father's sake, they weren't really walking with the Lord. But I know that through repentance, it changed a life and a tree and a legacy for my brother and his wife and their family and my, my wife and my wife, my son, daughters, my nephew, nieces, sisters, coming to Jesus. I mean, just that's what God does. And so in the message that he says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, God says, I'm not going to just wipe them out. I'm not going to just, um, as he says, nor will I turn back from it. He says that uh, I'm not going to make a full end. He says, if I did that, then, you know, just, prophecies wouldn't come to place. But they didn't know the date, again, that this destruction would take place. They weren't um, to check it out. They didn't know the time of the hour. But they also weren't to turn a cheek to it and say, eh, whatever. They were to listen. And they were to respond. I think so much of this for you and I today. Listen, listen. we don't know the time or the hour when the imminent change will come, do we? 
But we do know that He's coming. We do know that change to this progressing world as we know it will come. Listen, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. We'll be here in a couple of weeks. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Are you ready? Imminent change is going to take place. And when that change comes, it's going to be like people are going to say, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I listen? But it's imminent. It's bound to happen. And the Lord said it. Look at verse uh, uh, 10. Let's close with this. Or excuse me, verse 30. And when you are plundered, what will you do? See, there's the people. Here's what they say. What do I do? What do I do? And uh, though you clothe yourselves with crimson, you adorn yourselves with the ornaments of gold, and you, en- and you enlarge your eyes with paint, in vain you will make yourselves fair. See, they're going to dress themselves up in this charming way, hoping to lure, grab the attention of the attackers. But just like the devil, he doesn't really care. He's just playing into his game. And, and, you know, he's not interested in what you have to offer because he comes to destroy. And they will despise you no matter how you try to fit into them. So he says, your lovers will despise you. And they will seek your life. For I have heard a voice of a woman in labor. Yikes. That's equivalent to a man cold. And the, just kidding. For I, have, <laughs> for I have heard a voice as a woman in labor. The anguish. As of her, uh, as of her who brings forth her first child, a voice, uh, the voice of the daughter of Zion, bewailing herself, she spreads her hands, saying, "Woe is me, for my soul is weary because of murders." All of a sudden, the impending judgment comes, and you know what's going to happen? Gonna, what, what do I do now? I'm going to try and dress myself for the party. I'm going to try and, you know, well, I'll try and fit in. It ain't going to happen because they're not here to let you fit in. The Bible says today, he says, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And for the church today, I think that's a, um, an opportunity to respond because we look and we say, you know what? I just, I just want to be, God, I just want to be used by you. I don't want to deny that you exist. If, so, if I get put on it, if I get put on the spot, I'm just going to have to bear it. Look at this is what it is. I stand for Jesus. And these people are going to say, what happened? What happened? See, though they thought they were able to dress up and they might be able to fit in, might be welcomed by these coming parties of the north, ain't happening. The Babylonians had something else on their minds and the Lord told them they're going to be in agony. Here's a promise. Here's a promise. Mike, you can come up and lead us in worship. Here's a promise. Though this chapter speaks of judgment, even today we see nations that rage against the Lord and His anointed, as the psalmist says. But the entire time he's pouring out his grace and he's calling out and beckoning people to come to repentance. He's beckoning that. And may our hearts be twofold. Number one, to live in that, in that realm of saying, Lord, I just want, I want that. I want to walk in that closeness what you have. I want to walk with that. May it be that if we've wandered, that we just come back to the Lord and that we just come to him now. But listen, the other thing is, if we really believe that the Lord is coming, that there are plenty of empty seats here. And we're inviting people. If we believe the Lord is coming and we have a heart for mankind, we should be going to two services on a Wednesday night and three services on a Sunday. Why not? It's just not the heart of the pastor. It has to be the heart of the saved. If you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, guess what? 
You should have that desire that no man would perish. I don't want them to go through what I could have went through. Would you come and I'll, I'll buy them lunch, whatever. It's just I want. I, if you have a heart for them, look at because when judgment comes, they're going to be a part of it, and we could have said something, and I want to be able to say something. May that be our hearts. One, walk in it. Two, invite those who aren't walking with the Lord to come to Him. So, Father, we do pray for that. We pray for our hearts. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.